This is Jeremy Beasley. You're listening to H10, Hanshin Tigers, English News. Thanks, Jeremy. That's right. We got the bees. We are back with a fresh episode just for you, fellow Hanshin Tigers fan. Welcome to episode 172 on this cloudy Wednesday. No, it's a Monday, April the 24th here in Nishinomiya, Japan. I'm the founder of H10, T-Ray, and joining me from Hawaii is Sanjay. Aloha, brother. Aloha, brother, T-Ray. It's not cloudy here. It was sunny all day, although it's nighttime now. Well, it is nice to see your face as it always is. It's good to hear your voice. And it is going to be fun to talk Hanshin Tigers with you as per usual. So on today's show, we are going to try to figure out how this team can cure Sato and Umeno's bats. Sanjay, you ready to give the fans the required dosage of Hanshin Tigers dopamine? So ready, brother T-Ray. Good, I am too. It's time for some rumors and news. Well, we've got some good news for you folks. Last time we reported about Ito, Iwasada, and Watanabe uh, being hurt or sick. And all three of those guys are back, more or less. Iwasada came back on the 12th. Watanabe came back up on the 13th. So um, uh, Kumagai got punted down. And Ito um, had one farm rehab start. And then he is scheduled to take the start this Thursday against the Giants. Good news. Welcome back, Masa. Yes, exciting. Unfortunately, uh, if you're tracking along at home, the 27th is a Thursday and our Thursday starter. Well, we'll talk about him later, uh, but uh, he has been farmed. Um, um, may, as well, may as well name names. Uh, Junior is farmed. So, yeah. Um, and we'll talk about his starts later on the show. Um, another guy that has been sent down, and this one is really unfortunate, and I'm wondering how we're going to figure out what to do about, and that is Yuasa. Atsu Atsu got sent down on the 14th. They said it was just fatigue and it was going to be maybe 10 days and then he'd be called back up. But today's the 24th. So do the math. It's been 10 days. I have not heard a thing about him, except there's rumor that it might be an elbow issue and it could be long term. Ouch. So I don't we don't know for sure. All we know is that Oyokawa has gotten called up. He's been in the bullpen and he has looked pretty darn good so far. Yes, he has. That said, you know, he probably won't be the ninth inning guy. And so um, I don't know if it's good news or not. But since the 14th, we have not really needed a closer, per se. Um, games just have not developed in such a way that we needed a guy in the ninth inning to close things down. So we still don't really know who they're going to use, you know, on a day to day basis in that ninth inning. I think it's really going to be case by case. What do you think? Yeah, by committee, I think. Closer by committee. So there are various guys that could fill the role. You know, we're, we're talking about KK, Kyle Keller. We're talking about um, Beasley, whom, uh, you know, who introduced the show and whom we actually just talked with. Um, it could be Iwazaki who had the role last year. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it could even be anybody else. It could be Ishii as well. So, you know, it remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, keep your dial tuned in to H10 and, you know, keep watching the Hanshin Tigers and you will find out soon enough. One more guy that got sent down, and that would be our, well, supposed golden rookie, but he went, what, 20 straight at-bats without a hit, 
and just looked lost compared to how he looked in that first series. That would be Morista. He got farmed on the 17th and Inoue got called up. And I mean, he's gotten a few hits, but he hasn't really looked much better. I mean, you know, this is a guy we expect to get some home runs out of, but we really haven't gotten any yet. Yeah, um, you know where lots of promise. Let's let's see it come to fruition. Exactly, exactly. We're waiting for it still. Um, one more bit of news, and that would be that uh, Mieses, who was in the Dominican Republic taking care of a family, um, I think it was a death in the family. It sounds like it was, but he's back. He yeah. said he's ready to focus on playing baseball again. He's uh, he's back to being himself, and he's excited to rejoin the team. So that was just like three days ago. So he's been working out, but he has not seen game action yet. I'm assuming that maybe tomorrow, the you know Tuesday the 25th, he might. Welcome back, Mia-chan. We might need your stick. We do need your stick. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, that basically wraps things up for the rumors and news, but we need to talk about our dear friend, Fuji. Juichi. You know, he almost gave up Ju-Ich runs. <laughs> uh, it was not... It, well, actually, no. You add up his runs from the two starts and it is Ju-Ich. So there you go. Um, <laughs> oh, which is not a good thing at all. So the 15th, he faced the New York Mets and... Uh, we're talking about Shintaro Fujinami, by the way, in case you missed it. Uh, went six innings, allowed three hits, walked two guys, gave up three runs, the third of which was inherited, uh, or or he left on the bases, uh, left him on first base, and he came around to score. The other two runs that he allowed were on home runs. So it was his best outing thus far. Like the first five innings looked pretty good, and then the sixth, or no, the sixth even, he was okay. Was, yeah. He went into the seventh and got pulled. So that's pretty deep for Shinchan. But then, unfortunately, he went up against the second hottest offense in all of MLB, the Rangers. And uh, he did not fare well at all. The team gave him a 2 nothing lead, and he blew it up and gave up eight runs in two and a third innings. Seven hits, three walks, one hit batsman, two wild pitches, two strikeouts. Sounds like Shintaro Fujinami of 2018-19-20. Yeah, ouch. And, uh, you know, our friend uh, Alex Ramirez tweeted out, he said, I'm not surprised. And uh, it's just a matter of time. The A's need to figure this out, that he belongs in the bullpen. What do you think about that, Sanjay? Yeah, he'll give you one or two clean innings. And uh, that's what re- that's where he had most of his success recently with even our team. So yep. I, I think that's the, the correct direction to go, at least for now. So the thing with his last start, this is what I... I gathered from, I think his manager's comment is that his fastball was not finding the strike zone. And because of that, he was throwing a secondary pitches. Guys could wait on that and just let all the fastballs go by for balls. And the result was that he got hit to pieces. So, you know, if he can straighten out the fastball, um, I don't know if he will ever get back into the rotation, but he could at least be a valuable bullpen piece at which point, as a lot of A's fans are saying, we'll trade him away. So wishing him all the best. We're always cheering really, for Fuji, no matter what. Really wishing him all the best. Yes. Gambare Fuji. All right. Let's check in with the guys down on the farm.
So through April the 23rd, Sunday, the team is seven wins and 14 losses. Not a very good record there, Sanjay. We actually lost a couple of games. We, no, we got, uh, we got, I think it was two or three straight Gakuten against the SoftBank Hawks. So we were winning all three games, lost all three. And then we, we helped the Dragons snap their 11 or 14 game losing streak on the farm. Yeah. Yep. And then we finally won on Sunday to snap our own five game skid. So, yeah, the big problem is the pitching, actually. So there's only one standout pitcher for you folks out there, and that would be Okadome, who has gone six and two-thirds so far this season, no runs against, and seven strikeouts. So he's looking pretty good. The team ERA down on the farm is 4.89. Yeah, that sounds like the farm. It Well, except in recent years, we were actually quite a bit better than that. So that's kind of surprising to me. It's like, where, how come, where did those pitchers go? You know, like if they came up to the top squad, I I don't think too many did though. That's the thing. Okay. Um, who are the good hitters? I've got four names for you. All of them are doing pretty good as far as OPS goes. Itsubo with a 999, Endo with an 821, and that's way better than he's been in his first three years. Toyoda with a 791, and Mayagawa with a 776. So not too bad. Hearing a lot of good talk about Toyota and how he's ripping the ball. There you go. I mean, this is a guy that was supposed to get her done right from, uh, you know, year one, and he didn't last year. So maybe this is the year. You never know. We need Mies as a stick. We also just need a stick from the farm to come up and, uh, you know, wake up our offense. That's Which like is... a direct quote from Okada. <laughs> Probably. And that's why we're talking about the bats in the hot topic. Well, before we get into recapping and that hot topic, let's do some shout outs. So we need to thank the folks uh, from Patreon who are getting it done and supporting this podcast. So we're talking about here, Joe in Wakayama, Jamie Owens of Central English Okayama, Shane Barclay of Japan Ball, Tom Zilla in Osaka, Rick Silvers in Texas, Fran in the UK, Mario in the US of A, Yana Rasanen in Osaka, Helsinki, Tokyo Swallows Podcast, Anita in Nishinomiya, and Ian Hadel in Texas. Couldn't do it without you fine folks. Thank you so much, patrons. Thank you, patrons. Well, we are recapping 11 games of action here. There was a rain out and Sanjay and I predicted seven and five. We ended up going five and six. So not quite what we were hoping, but let's run through the 11 games. So we were in Tokyo at the Dome for three. We lost the first one, seven to one, of course, against the Giants. Um, Nishi on the mound, Yuki, that is. Uh, Kajitani with an RBI in the bottom of the first. Okoye with a two RBI single in the bottom of the seventh. And then finally, we got on the board with Nakano's RBI single in the top of the eighth, but Nakata and Oshiro with two run home runs in the bottom of the eighth against Hamachi. Oh, we forgot this in the rumors and news. He got farmed after this game. Yeah. Kind we come deserved. back, though, and we, we take two straight out of the Giants, which is great. Uh, we won two to one in the 10th. And this one we will talk about a little bit later as well. But right now, we'll say this. Sheldon Noisy with his first home run as a Hanshin Tiger in the top of the fourth solo job. Um, so it's one to zero and our pitcher on this day, Shoki Murakami, perfect, perfect, literally no hits, no walks through seven innings. It is his first start of the season and he gets pulled for a pinch hitter because we're only up a run. Nothing became of that. And in the, the bottom of the eighth, the first pitch that Ichi threw went into the stands for a game tying home run. He bounced back and struck out the side. 
but uh, it was a tie game. Murakami lost his win, obviously. Um, but we did it in the 10th inning. Uh, Kinami walked, and then there was a pass ball. Then he was bunted over to third, and Chikamoto hit an RBI single. And then Atsu came in with the save. Uh, Sato had an error that added a bit of drama. I think the bases might have even been loaded. Do you remember, Sanjay? I think it was, yeah, actually. Yeah, so that's partly on you, Asa, obviously, but then Sato with that error really hurt things as well. Anyhow, uh, that made it an even series, and then we took the rubber match, 4-1. to one. Noisy with another home run in the top of the second. Uh, they tied it up in the bottom of the second, but then Watanabe with a home run in the top of the fourth, and then uh, we got some insurance from Chikamoto with a sack fly, and then a wild pitch uh, scored a fourth run for us. In this game, Junior Nishi looked all right, six innings pitched and one run against, but he also allowed nine hits. So he definitely was not keeping them off the base paths. He just kept them from scoring. And then Iwasada, Ishii, and Yuasa combined to bring home the win. The pen looked really, really solid. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's really kind of a common thread for much of, well, Really for the Tigers. I mean, you know, for the past several years, it's been the thing. So sure. we take we take our game into Yokohama to face the Bay Stars, where, you know, Sanjay was saying, well, you know, the Bank of Yokohama. And that used to be a phrase that we used. But we have now, I believe, lost 10 straight regular season games in Yokohama, including these two that we lost. Yeah. So, ouch. yeah, um, we had a lead on Friday. 2-0 to zero because of Kinami and Chikamoto, but Aoyagi kind of fell apart, gave up five runs in uh, four and a third innings. Tomita gave up three innings, uh, pardon me, three runs in the bottom of the sixth, and then a sack fly from Nakano gave us our third run. So a three to eight loss. We rained out the next day, and then on Sunday, uh, we lost another heartbreaker. Saiki was doing really well until... Uh, I guess he gave up a run in the in the late going. Uh, Maki, no, pardon me. He had a two-run home run that he gave up in the bottom of the first. The rest of the way, he was pretty good. Um, and Oyama had a solo home run in the top of the fourth, but that was it. It was a two-to-one loss. Yeah, wish we could have provided a little bit more run support. For real, I mean, Psyche just has been the victim. And I don't know if other teams' starters on Sundays are good or if our bats are just looking forward to Monday off or what. <laughs> yeah, really. But guys, you can't take Sunday off too. You don't get a two-day weekend. I do, but you don't. You got to work your Sundays, please. <laughs> For real. Well, we take a day off and then we come home to face the Hiroshima Carp, who were actually red hot. They were in first place coming into this series, believe it or not, although it is a young season. Um, and we gave up the first run in the top of the ninth in this one. Yuki Nishi threw nine innings gave up four hits and two of those came in the top of the ninth so they got their one run we're down one zero going up against kuri bayashi their closer because we simply could not beat kuri their starter uh, but the bottom of the ninth started with an umeno hit a kinami double so we have two guys in running uh two guys in scoring position chikamoto walked his base is loaded and he hits one over left fielder for the walk-off double and the win two to one for the tigers Wonderful walk-off. It's our second of the season. Yay, Nakano! Bravo, bravo. Uh, the next day, we do some more damage. Um, we beat them 6-1. to one. Sakamoto with a sack fly in the bottom of the fifth. Noisy with an RBI double. Sato with an RBI single. Those were in the bottom of the sixth. Chikamoto with a two RBI triple. And Nakano brought him home 
on a single in the bottom of the seventh. Otake went six and two thirds, allowing just one run, and that run came in the top of the seventh. So six to one, nice and easy win. We don't get too many of those where we're not, you know, shaking in our boots at the end of games. Yeah, this is a, these types of games are welcome, indeed. And so we're going for the sweep. Um, at Koshien against the Carp. I'm in attendance at this one, and Junior is on the mound. But right from the start, I think um, after four pitches, he had runners on the corners, and he went three and a third and gave up five runs. So two in the top of the first and three in the top of the fourth. And that includes a bases-clearing RBI double from Ampaman himself. What was his name again? Matsuyama? Yes. Matsuyama. Uh, but we actually, like, we fought in this one. So we were down 2-0 because of Junior's pitching. But then we scored three in the bottom of the first. A noisy sack fly, Inoue RBI single, and uh, an Umeno G6 that almost turned into a single. And then the bottom of the second, we got another run. So we were up 4-2. to two. And then we ended up scoring a couple in, or pardon me, one in the top of the no- bottom of the ninth. Uh, noisy with an RBI single. And we actually had a chance in this one. It was a real unfortunate hit by Haraguchi, I think. Did we have two guys on base or? And how did he hit one? And the shortstop caught it. He had to jump. It was a jumping catch and he doubled up the runner at second base who couldn't get back in time. Uh, but we had a chance of tying that one. We didn't. So that was unfortunate. But uh, yeah, it was still a good game and overall like a good series against the Carp. So we end this though with some no good baseball. And that's because guess what? We don't play good baseball in Nagoya. That's just the way we roll. It's really unfortunate. Friday, uh, Oyama with a sack fly in the top of the first. And so we've got a one nothing to lead, one nothing lead. And with Aoyagi on the mound against the Dragons, sometimes that one is enough, but it wasn't. He fell apart. He kind of repeated Junior's foibles, kept walking guys, uh, giving up hits, and four runs in two and two thirds innings. He did not even make it to the third. Unbelievable. I don't know That's what's happening. Aoyagi. That's not the Aoyagi I know, but he didn't have a good day, man. Imposter. I don't know who it is that is dressing up in the number 17, but it ain't working. But Tomina, Kajia, Oyokawa, and Beasley were all good. The batters, however, did not support them and their efforts. We did win the second game to tie the series. It was a 2-0. to zero. And remember our boy Murakami, who went 7 perfect in the previous week? He went 4 and a third perfect here as well. So he went 11 and a third innings without allowing a base runner. When he finally did, it was just a single. And then he gave up another single a bit later. But he went the whole game, giving up two singles, no runs, no walks. And we scored the first run um, with a hit. uh, uh, Sorry, that was a hit from Murakami and an Achikamoto triple. So he did everything. I think that was the top of the six or something like that. But uh, He did it all. So he's our version of Murakami-sama with the kami being the kanji for God. There you go. Yes, he was definitely Murakami-sama on this night and even the previous one. Um, he struck out 10 and walked none and he got his first career win. So applause and all that stuff. Accolades for Murakami. What a man. And, you know, we have needed that because we looked at our, our rotation at the start of the season. We were like, we've got this, man. We've got this. Because, like, Aoyagi, yeah, what happened there? Because Ito, hurt. Because Junya, not pitching well. You know, all these things happen. And Murakami stepped up and said, don't worry, guys. I got your back. So we're thankful for that. Uh, unfortunately, we lost the final game of this recap 2-1. to one. Um, Chikamoto hit a home run on the very first pitch of the game. So that 
that looked really good for us, but that was all we got the rest of the way. Saiki was okay, but he gave up a two-run RBI double to Hosokawa in the bottom of the fifth. He got knocked out, I think, after that, and we had great chances in the eighth and ninth. I think even the seventh. Even but the seventh, the, yeah. The seventh and ninth, for sure. Maybe not the eighth, I forget. But um, And we'll talk about this guy a bit later, right? It's the guy that yep. he's losing the O on his name, as Sanjay said in the last episode. Umen, what you doing, <laughs> man? So we lost this one two to one. Um, and there you go. We are currently sitting in a tie for second place with the Yakult Swallows. But that doesn't matter. What matters is our record. So we're 10, 8, and 1, which is not too shabby. I mean, if you you know extrapolate this over a season, it does give us a pretty solid record. It just may not be enough to win the pennant. So we do need to step things up a little bit. But little spoiler alert, Sanjay, as we were talking to Bees, what did he say about this team and the direction they're heading? He said that we've got a lot of potential and we start playing to it, then we're going to go higher. He said kind of what Okada said at the start of the year, but he said it, you know, from his perspective that the team is just getting better and that we're a very good team this year. So that's great. So speaking of that, we may as well get that out of the way. Uh, we did interview Jeremy Beasley, and we are going to put that into a separate episode simply because we've got a lot to talk about here. So we don't want to go too long on this episode, but you will be hearing our talk with him real soon. And it was really good. Was it not, Sanjay? Yeah, he gives a lot of good stuff. I mean, like he just was spouting and spouting and and just it was all golden. It was. It was like stuff that I haven't heard from others in interviews. So that was really special. So look forward to that, everybody. Well, it's time to introduce a new corner that we have not yet had on the show. And I'm not really sure what to call it, except. Are? Are? So we've got to talk a little bit about our manager, Okada, and some of the things that have been going down as far as decisions. I've got a few beefs with how he's been uh, taking care of business. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think um, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt all along, but last night kind of really threw me for a loop. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you about that in a bit, but I'm going to get to mine first because they come a little bit earlier in the fortnight. Um First of all, I do want to kind of uh, defend his decision for pulling Murakami after seven innings in that perfect game, um, simply because you just, in hindsight, you could say whatever you want to say. And I understand, like, you know, kids or not kids, pitchers only get one or zero chances in their lifetime to throw a perfect game. I understand that. But you also have to look at this as a team game. And Murakami had been pitching in the bullpen up until now. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, before the game, Okada had basically said, we're going to let him go about five innings and then we'll let the bullpen take over. So I think yep. he kind of had like a pitch limit on him anyways. And if you look at this in the big picture, that's not to say he might, you know, he might get another chance at a perfect game down the road because he might never. But if you say, you know what, we're going to ride him and, you know, he might have ended up having to throw like 115 pitches, which is too much for a guy that's been in the bullpen for too long. And it could have really hurt him, like literally hurt him. So I'm okay with that decision. And, you know, Okada had said, and it, it kind of sounded lame as a manager, but he's like, I've never been in this situation before, like where I had to think about a perfect game and what to do in this situation. So, you know, I had in my mind to do like a, a combined perfect game, but that didn't work out. You know, I think that's what he said, which is like, 
Okay, yeah. I get it. I'll give him that benefit of the doubt. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, so I I think you nailed it on the hit the nail on the head. Um, he wasn't supposed to go that long. You could have ruined the guy's career. Uh, seven innings was good enough, and he was going to go and and put two more guys out there and complete a perfect relay, and it just didn't work out. I'm I'm at peace with that decision. Right, same here, same here. Okay, so my other beef is this, and again, I'm not on the field, so I don't know what I'm saying, except I know what I'm seeing, and that is Itayama and Shimada getting chances in right field, and I know that Morishita didn't perform very well, but look at the performance we've gotten out of Itayama and Shimada. I think they each have one hit. I think they're each batting like point zero seven seven on the season or something like that. Shimada finally hit a ball to the outfield, and I mean... We're even talking his outs. None of them reached the outfield except the shallow fly ball in one game that failed to score a run on a sack fly. He had a sack fly chance and he hit it too weakly to cash in. Uh, so Shimada has been terrible. Itayama, who supposedly was clutch, is has been terrible. He's batting zero with risk and he's had tons of risk chances. I'm tired of both of those guys. You and a lot of people on the uh, YouTube world Okay, I haven't been watching that world, but I will say, yeah, we're in the same camp. So those are my beefs with Okada. And again, we're not saying that we can do a better job. We're just saying, what you doing, old man? Okay, what do you got for us? So mine is really, um, and and I, I see the points that you raised just now with the other, other two instances. And uh, I totally understand your point of view. And I totally understand Okada's point of view for a lot of what he done, what he has done. But last night, when and and I guess let me go back to this. Um, when Morishita was uh, having his original perfect bid, it was a one-zero game. He'd never pitched that deep into a game before, and Okada's like, "Listen, my my priority is to win the games." And I was totally on board with that because that's the way he set, framed himself from the beginning. Yep. Um, so begs the question: the game yesterday, where, where did that priority go yesterday? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. And he had Umedo hit in the seventh when you know it was a potential game tying situation. I believe it was runners on second and third with two outs. Yeah, and, and Umedo struck out instead of sending in a pinch hitter like Araguchi yeah. Watanabe. Yeah. Um, no. So, okay. And I thought, okay, well, uh, okay. Uh, we might go into extra innings. You, you want to preserve your catchers, even though they have three catchers on the bench. So I didn't get that yeah. part. Anyway, ninth inning, o- Oyama gets on no pinch runner and then one out. And then, um, Sato got on base. Sato got on. So man, first and second, he sends Watanabe to second as a pinch runner for Ono. I mean, Oyama. Yeah. And like, okay, so is that much that much of an upgrade in speed? I don't I think don't so. I don't think so. No, I don't think and, so. And um, what would have made more sense would have been Obata as a pinch runner and Watanabe as a pinch hitter. Yes. And let's let's roll our dice there. So that one that one really got to me. And what were the results of Umeno's at bat? GIDP? Umetsu? Yeah. It was definitely a, it was a, uh, yeah, 
what do we call them? Umetsu? Uget, umetsu. Ume, uh, getsumeno is what I was calling getsumeno. it. Okay. Getsumeno. But yes, uh, a game ending double play. Uh, so there you go. Like we, and we're only down a run. So those are two golden opportunities, both blown by Umeno. Well, that segues us perfectly into the hot topic. So as you can tell from the title of this episode, as well as just what we've talked about all along, we've got a couple of hitters in our lineup that just really are not getting things done. And it's kind of uncharacteristic of them. And it's time to start thinking about what we can do to help out. Well, not us as fans, but what can be done for these guys? And, you know, I was looking back at the archives, Sanjay, and episode 134 was also about what we could do about Teruaki Sato. <laughs> and we're back. Okay. Same place. Same place. Um, At the time, just to refresh everyone's memories, I think he was in an 0 for 32 slump. And it ended up being 0 for 57. But when we recorded, he was only halfway through the slump. How could we have known that it was going to double in length? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So Sato, though, in his first season, recorded 24 home runs. In his second season, recorded 20 home runs. And definitely showed signs of growth in all other aspects of the game um, in his second season. You know, So he's batting fifth this year but his current numbers are he's batting 175 that's 11 for 63 with five doubles no home runs two rbi 17 strikeouts and nine walks and an ops of 528 and he's batting 077 with runners in scoring position that's not a number five hitters number and that's not the you know future star of the team uh you know, that's those aren't the numbers we want from him either. So let's talk a little bit about Sato first and foremost. Um, why do you think he is struggling so badly? Do you think that it's his form? Do you think he might be hurt? Do you think it's just something he has to go through and he's going to turn things around? You know, obviously the the manager and the coaches know more than I do. It looks to me like both Sato and Umeno are suffering from like PTSD from from a bad year last year, and they can't shake it and they can't be themselves. I mean, that's that that's a very superficial uh, amateur analysis, but that's what it really looks like to me. So what throws me off is that like first I was thinking it was maybe Sato's form, and it might still be like a, a lot of what I hear is that you know his load is a little bit too high and it's a little bit hard for him to come around on fastballs. And you can see it like he's getting jammed by fastballs. He's able to foul off a lot of pitches, but he's not able to actually put them into play when he should be putting them out of the park. Um, he's not catching up at all to fastballs. Yeah. So I think there's something wrong with his form. I mean, he did tinker with it this past off season, but the first series of this season I thought was so promising because he walked so many times. He looked like, yeah, you know, I think he hit a couple of doubles or at least one in that first series. And it looked like, you know what? When pitchers start to realize that they can't fool him with that inside junk anymore, they're going to have to start pitching him honest and he's going to destroy the ball. And they started pitching him honest, but he didn't destroy the ball. He's back to striking out. He's looking at pitches that he shouldn't look at. And he's swinging at a whole bunch of garbage in these past couple of weeks as well. Yeah, so, he's lost. He looks I, lost. I feel like part of it, it might be his form and it might also be mental where he needs to get over the hump somehow. But I think in his mind, he's probably going up there a defeated man. Yeah, it's, I, I do think it's 
90% mental. It could very well be. So going back to episode 134, I presented you with a bunch of possible options of what to do with Sato to help him get back on track. And I'm not going to present the same options, but I will say this. At that time, you had said maybe the best thing that we could do for him would be to let just let him keep hitting. Farming yeah. him wouldn't be a good idea. Benching him wouldn't be a good idea. Using him as a pinch hitter wouldn't be a good idea. Um, and putting him in the number eight spot, which is something I suggested. I think you'd said that was a pretty good idea. Yeah. 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 But what do you think this time around? Like, is there something that we need to do for Sato to help him get out of this? Because I just don't see it. Like, I keep thinking, you know, one swing is going to change everything, but that one swing just is not coming. So what are your thoughts? I think it's the same thing as what we said last time. And I think we drop him in the lineup. Let him hit where the pressure isn't as big. I mean, he, he does. He and Umet, well, actually, Umeno was my counter example that my argument just now is not going to work because he's sitting <laughs> lower in the lineup and he still gets all the opportunities and he's not coming through. But I do think that Sato batting in a less pressure-filled spot is probably not a bad idea. Well, I personally think that less pressure-filled spot maybe is the farm. That's my answer right now. And I don't think he's... Well, no, he was farmed quite a bit. Um, Was it his second? No, it was his first year. That that 59 at-bat slump actually had a couple of farms farmings in between, I believe. Yep. But I, I said it on the show in 134, and I'll say it again, that maybe facing um slightly inferior pitching might be what he needs. And mm-hmm. talking to some some coaches that he doesn't usually talk to and still getting the reps. You know what I mean? Like still say, okay, well, I'll be the number four or he'll be the number four hitter or number five hitter on the farm. And he's still going to play every single game down there. But it's just the mental part of it might, he might come around a little bit better because there's not that pressure, you know? Okay. If there's guys on base, it's like, well, it's the farm. There's nobody watching really. And it's not the end of the world. If you don't get the RBI hit because you don't really care about wins and losses so much on the farm. So I think yeah. giving him, helping him to get that mental sharpness back and confidence will go a long ways. And I think the only, well, besides using him and watching him go through this struggle, I think putting him on the farm and letting him struggle in a place where it doesn't really hurt anyone, including himself, might be the answer. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm okay with seeing him farm for a bit and um, rediscover himself. So if that were the question then, I mean, if that were the answer then, the question would be, what do we do for third base? What do we do for our number five hitter on the top squad? Okay, well, this was not where I was expecting the conversation to go. So I'm <laughs> going to throw this out in in like a really half-hearted, thought-out way. Bring it. And so what if you played Noisy in third and MSS in left? Ooh. That's an interesting one. I hadn't given that any thought, but I like that idea. That's not bad at all. I was thinking a little bit more simply, um, but I like that because that gives us the opportunity to get that extra power bat in there. Somebody yep. that might be able to give us some home runs and produce some runs where we need it. I was thinking more along the lines of maybe, so I don't know about the order. Like I just don't know who we'd put in the number three spot if we move Noisy to fifth where I think he could do well as well. But I was thinking about, I know it's not a popular choice, but Itohara at third base. 
Because mm. he's actually pretty good defensively at third. He's just, he doesn't produce with power. And I still don't really like too much about him, truth be told. And there are, you know, he does have some redeeming features, but he's not my first option or my first choice. But that was what came to mind for me. Interesting. And I have to point this out um, in Itohara's uh, credit, or to Itohara's credit, is that Okada seems to be warming to Itohara as well. Yeah. Because initially, uh, he he didn't even have a, a spot for him, it seemed. And now it was like acknowledging the fact that he can get things happen and make make it bats that, you know, grind it out. And, and so, yeah, you know, you have a point. It's either that or or put in Watanabe at third base, which could also work. But I just kind of feel like Itohara might be the answer right now. I don't know. Maybe Watanabe, if he gets hot, would be the answer. But uh, yeah. Um, okay. Do you think that Sato is the present and the future at third base? Or do you think that he is going to end up being a placeholder? And this is kind of making a prediction because, uh, you know, looking at his age and looking at his track record so far, you'd think the obvious answer is yes. But what do you think? Is he going to be the next Takayama or is he going to be the star that he's meant to be? No, my answer is yes. He's going to be the star he's meant to be at third base. It just might t- take a little bit of time. Um, it might be him sort of like having a light bulb moment, you know, go- light bulb going off above his head. Um, but yeah, he's the, he's the guy at third for us. Okay. I'm going to agree with that because I just don't like the thought of anything else, uh, you know, of him never making the comeback. So I'm going to say yes as well. Okay. Interesting. Um, so we've talked about Teraki Sat and again, I'm using your little, little with no o. wit there. No O, right? He's lacking the yeah. O. So he's Teraki Sat. So next we're going to talk about Ryutaro Umen because he is equally, not equally, he is lacking offense even more than Sat. So he's our main catcher and he has been all this season and he was for a good part of his career. Um, He's a three-time Golden Glove winner. He's an Olympic athlete for crying out loud. He was on the team that won the gold in Tokyo in 2021. But look at his current numbers, Sanjay. He's batting 102. That's five for 49, three RBI, 12 strikeouts, five walks, an OPS of, ready for this, 284. And a risk that equals Sato at 0.077. So you wonder why the team is struggling to produce offense. You know, anytime that the number five or number seven hitters are getting up there, it's pretty much a guaranteed out. And a lot of times those guys are coming up with runners in scoring position. That's so. exactly what Okada said, right? It's not just five and seven, right? You got you got to slot in nine in there as well. So if if a third of your lineup is not producing, it's very tough to win a lot of games. Well, and then even number six, because you know, we had yeah. Monista and he was struggling, and then the replacements haven't exactly been lightening up either. You know, Itayama, Shimada, and uh Inoue haven't been lightening up either. So yeah. That's a lot of guys that aren't getting it done. I still haven't looked at the stat, but I would be afraid to see what our team risk is so far. It's got to be pretty darn low. (laughs) I'm not going to look either. Okay, let's not. And let one of our listeners do it and uh, send in the answer to us at wedontcare.com. Okay, so (laughs) we do care, but we just don't want to know. Um, Okay, so same questions for Umeno. Why do you think he is struggling so badly? What's the deal here? 
So I think I, I mentioned this earlier. I think he is going through PTSD. You know, he was the guy who was the man and he the free agency and so on. And they begged him to stay. He came back and then Yano didn't use him pretty much, you know, half the time in favor of Sakamoto. And I think he's still like trying to recover from that. Okay. I, yeah, except, you know what? When he signed as a free agent, the kind of interesting thing is he used the, uh, he used kind of expression. He said, you know what? Like this team has really just been bathing in lukewarm water for the last few years and it's time for things to heat up again. So he kind of, uh, you know, it was kind of the, the backhanded criticism of Yano right there. Um, and yeah, he kind of played in, if you, if you don't count the, uh, pandemic shortened 2020 season which was you know only 120 games his career low was 100 last season or at least like from 2017 to present that was his lowest number so yeah i mean he definitely was hurting um i i think his pride was definitely wounded for the fact that he was not used so much in 2022 but i think he was happy that okada was on board and that he was being used so much so I don't know. I don't know if it's PTSD, man. I'm not really sure. But I also don't have the answer here. I I do think though that he yeah, I it's a mystery because it, he's a guy that was supposed to be uh, you know, a slugging catcher when we drafted him and he looked the part for the first few years of his career. Um, but his career high in home runs was hang on a second here. Uh 8 9. He hit 9 in 2019. Then he hit seven in a shortened 2020, but then he's got three and four the last couple of years. His average has dipped from, it was 259, 266, and 262 um, for three seasons. And then it's down to 225 and 228 the last couple of seasons. So he's definitely been on a bit of a decline. Um, yeah. So but I don't he used know. To be, he used to be clutch, uh, even when his regular average wasn't so good. Yep, and he used to be able to hit the ball to the opposite field a lot. Yeah, and every so often you still see that this season, but it's not often enough. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know what? He's actually kind of alternated between clutch and not so. Uh, so in twenty 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 nineteen, he was three thirty with wrist, and then he went down to one ninety seven, and then three twenty one, and then two twenty two. So. But this year, he's just atrocious. So I don't really know what the deal is. But you're right. I mean, he had those clutch moments where he was hitting to the opposite side and just making sure that he kept rallies going. And he really did that. Like, it wasn't like he was getting a, hu- a, a heap of game-winning RBIs or anything like that. But he kept a ton of rallies going back in the day. Mm-hmm. So um, so what do you think when it comes to Umechang or Umen? What is the remedy for him? Do we farm him? Do we bench him? Or do we keep using him? What are your thoughts? I think Okada has to be a little bit more um, proactive just at the moment and, you know, really light a fire underneath Umeno by like starting Sakamoto more. Sakamoto has been um, catching for both Otake and uh, Murakami um, in the last, in the both of their last two appearances, and the results have been good. You know, so kind of light a fire under Umeno by sitting him more often. Yeah, you know, um, Sakamoto has definitely been doing a good job of calling games, and even his hitting has not been as bad as it's been in you know throughout his career. 
So I'm going to give a shout out to my boy, Pete Duffy, who started texting me. I think it was last night about Umeno. And he said this. So I'm I'm holding you accountable for this, Pete. He said, I think Sakamoto is one of the best catchers in Japan. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing at uh, what he just said, but I'm laughing at the fact that like there was silence on your end. And I don't know of anybody else that would say that. And I'm not saying that it's a foolish take. Uh, I disagree, but it's an interesting take. You know, there are definitely things about Sakamoto that are good that I could see us, you know, benefiting from having him uh, in that starting lineup a little bit more often than we have. Mm. I would say this, though. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned because Umeno is turning 32 uh, in June. And catchers, you know, some of them go deep. Like Yano played, you know, as catcher until he was, what, like 38 or 40. Jojima played, you know, quite until he was quite old as well. But not every guy can. And Umeno has been playing since he was straight out of college. He's been our, you know, one of our main catchers all this time. So the mileage on those knees and the mileage on that body, you know, it's definitely taken its toll. He's definitely in decline here. He's not going to get better this year or next year. Well, he might get better than he is now, but he's not going to get better as far as his line for the whole season and as far as his dependability, I don't think. I don't think we're going to see uh, a bounce back to where he gets back to his Golden Glove award-winning form and his Mr. Super Clutch form. That's just my personal uh, opinion. And I think that we need to start raising up the next generation. So even though Sakamoto would definitely be a good stopgap to make sure that we're actually getting some offense, I think we also need to bring up one of the catchers from the farm that can get the job done or not necessarily get the job done in 2023, but learn how to get the job done for 2024 and beyond when we have to start thinking about Umeno as a backup catcher and not a starter anymore. What do you think about that? Well, there are a lot of people calling for Sakaida to be brought up because the boy can hit. Yeah, Sakaida has been hitting well, and last year Nakagawa was hitting well. He's not doing so well this year so far, but he's still young. He's like 20 years old, I think, or 19. Uh, but we definitely have some prospects there on the farm that I would personally love to see. Just, you know, bear with me here, but have Umeno as the third catcher on the top squad for now. Sakamoto's the starter, and Sakaida is the backup guy who gets a couple one or two days a week. And then Umeno either gets one day a week or he gets those late innings when we're, you know, we're starting to tinker with putting in pinch hitters. And as a result, we need someone to fill the catcher void. I think he could do it then. But I think right now we need to stop trusting in his bat. Yeah, I think that's kind of obvious. So I I mean he's gonna get better than his 102 this year, but I don't think he's gonna get back to 250. I think if he ends the year at 200, that's a success story right there. And that's sad. He needs Ooh. to be better, but yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to him. To, I'd like to him to be better. We all would. We all would, right? So, um, you know, the question that I asked with uh, Sato is the same for Umino. Is he the present and future, or is he a placeholder now? And I kind of just answer that. I think he's a placeholder at this stage in his career. I think that he needs to start thinking, and the team needs to start thinking about passing the torch on to the next generation. You may be right, T-Ray. They may need to hire me, Sanjay. <laughs> GM T-Ray. <laughs> there you go. My final question for the hot topic is this. What would this team look like if Sato and Umeno started hitting again? Unfriggin' stoppable is what I think. 
I mean, I think we would go back to that opening series against the base stars where we averaged six runs per game. And I think we could maybe not get six every game, but we could average probably five per game if those guys were hitting the way that they're capable of. And five runs mm-hmm. a game is going to win us like 70 to 75% of our games. Yeah, totally. Like, I don't know if we could pull a 750 win percentage the rest of the way, but we could definitely run away with the pennant if these two guys start hitting. It really, it just takes these two guys and I'm not, I wouldn't pin the blame on them if we don't win the pennant or maybe I would because <laughs> their bats are extremely valuable and they're going to get us a pile of wins if they start hitting again. Agreed. All right. It's time to preview the upcoming Fortnite and make some bold predictions. What's going to happen? What's the record going to be? What's going to happen? What's the record going to be? What's going to happen? What's the record going to be? What's going to happen? What's the record going to be? See the future? Yes, they can. Check it out. H10 predictions. See the future? Yes, they can. Check it out. H10 predictions. What's going to happen? What's the record? Los Angeles, we are hosting the Giants Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Maybe by the time people hear this, it's already half over or more than that. And then we're going back to Tokyo to face the Swallows at Jingu. Then we host the Dragons for some revenge. And then we are in Hiroshima to face the Carp. Those last two are going to be during Golden Week. So it should be some golden baseball time for us Tigers fans. Thoughts on the Tigers record in the next 12 games? So I'm just looking at the schedule. And I'm trying to be realistic about how our bats are going to heat up. And I'm thinking we go two and one at home and one and two on the road for each of them. And we're going to be six and six. Okay. I think that's pretty valid. I'm going to actually go a step further uh, because we're facing the other side of the Dragons rotation. And we actually face some pretty good pitchers from them. Like we face Takahashi and then we face, who do we face on Friday? I forgot, but they, we face a good pitcher. Um, and we end up not doing so well in that situation, but I think that we can win all three. I think we win all three against the dragons. That's what I'm going for. I don't care who they bring. We're beating, we're sweeping them. So I'm going to say seven and five, but I'm going to go. I'll agree with the rest of yours. I think we're going to struggle a bit on the road, but at home, we should be five and one in those six games. Cool. Bank on it. Okay, well, that's a wrap for another episode of H10. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you have not gotten your fill of us, we are out there on the interwebs. As you already know, Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Tigers. The website, thehunchingtigers.com. Twitter, at thehunchingtiger, singular, because I'm one man. Instagram is Tigers English News. So is YouTube. So is Facebook. T-Ray also has the daily sports column. It will be coming out in about a week's time. It's in Japanese, but I'll put it out in English on the H10 website as well. All those details are in the show notes. Special thanks to Infraction for the theme music for show mix in the show. And Sanjay, as always, thanks for being my sidekick here on H10. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. Awesome. All right. We'll catch you all next time, everybody. Let's go. Hanshin Tigers. Arey de, arey. Ganbare Hanshin, arey de.